We're live. Here we are. <laughs> Welcome back to Everything EOS, the longest running EOS podcast. Thank you all so much for joining us for this week in EOS IO. We got a lot of exciting stuff to talk about, block one voting, the ENS marketplace, all kinds of stuff going on that we'll dive into in just a sec. But before we do, remember, smash that like button, hit the subscribe button if you have not already, and uh, leave a comment in the live chat box saying where you're coming from if uh, you're tuning in live. And of course, before we get started, I do need to mention that nothing Zach and I say should ever be interpreted as legal financial tax professional or any other kind of advice uh, you should never take advice online from people for what, what, to do what, what happens what happens if you likely. take advice from strangers on the internet you'll get wrecked, get so wrecked. always it. get wrecked do, do the opposite of what people on the internet say uh, so that's yeah, our disclaimer absolutely. let's just jump right into this we have a lot of exciting stuff to talk about uh, the EOS name service marketplace launched yeah Yes, yeah, so the, the beta is finally out, which means you can now buy and sell EOS account names that have already been purchased. Um, and these include 12 character account names and custom names that you get on EOS name service right now. Um, but check it out. It's the beta. We, we're looking for feedback, both good and bad. So head on over to eosnameservice.io slash marketplace and uh, let us know what you guys think. It's It's been cool to see all the names flood in. Uh, a lot of people are going and listing names for sale. So there's some cool names that are up there now. So I guess the other internal stuff we have going on, uh, if you're watching this, the bottom scroller mu mu must have hit the gray one. Cypherglass DSP services are now available on the DAP network. Yeah, so we have our first DSP service up and running, which is uh, IPFS or VRAM. Um, so we're working on getting uh, the Moonlighting contract sync now to be one of their backup DSPs, which is super exciting. Big shout out to the Moonlighting team and Ramon over there for uh, putting us in touch and making that happen. But um, this is kind of our soft launch. We're working on a new website that should be out in the next week or so, uh, and that will really showcase everything that we're planning with the DSP and kind of our plans there. But this is our sort of initial soft launch so that if you're out there, maybe you're building a DAP right now or you have a DAP that's live already and you want to use our VRAM services either as your backup DSP or your main DSP, uh, reach out to us. You can email me rob at cypherglass.com and uh, I'll walk you through the process. It's pretty cool. Well, welcome, welcome to the DAP network officially. I'm, I'm, I'm excited to, to see what you guys can do there. I know that you've always talked about it on the show. I mean, you have weekly calls with, with a lot of different projects. If uh, there's, I, you've mentioned Ethereum projects before wanting to come over to EOS, and now uh, as a DAP service provider, you'll be able to uh, facilitate that even more smoothly, especially as things like Liquid Link get more, more fleshed out as, as we move forward. Absolutely. And speaking of uh, projects moving from Ethereum to EOS, it looked like Chintai, David from Chintai, made oh, a really yeah. cool announcement. Um, he said, we plan to utilize the DAP network for all Chintai's cross-chain NFT and other token leasing services long-term. And this is aside from the DAP leasing market in testing on Kylan right now that is coming. And this is the exciting part. He says, we have already commenced commercial discussions with a range of Ethereum-based gaming companies about partnerships only now possible with Liquid Link. And Liquid Link, of course, allows you to offload a lot of the processing costs from Ethereum over onto the EOS mainnet using the DAP network. So really exciting to see, you know, uh, these people kind of join forces and maybe we won't be so uh, tribal in like, oh, we hate Ethereum, oh, we hate EOS, like on, on the other side. Um, maybe we can all kind of work together and, and actually launch these DAPs and make them more scalable. You know, uh, what, what the best part about uh, being multi-block, like seeing this interoperable, like multi-chain future, uh, th this is actually the first anyone's going to be hearing about this because uh, the, uh, our Liquid Apps team, we haven't even uh, tweeted this out yet. Uh, but I just wanted to let everyone know watching that uh, we will be hosting uh, the Liquid Apps team and Blockstart 
along and uh, along with Node One, uh, the Korean block producer, we will be hosting uh, an EOS community meetup in South Korea uh, during Blockchain wow. Week. So we're really excited about this. Uh, we have Benny. Uh, the CEO of Liquid Apps, he'll be talking. Ramon Binlish uh, from Blockstart, which is the company that onboarded the 750,000 users uh, for Moonlighting. And then we have another really cool guest, Brittany Kaiser. Kaiser, I'm not even sure how to say her name. I'm sorry, Brittany, if you're watching this. But she, uh, have you seen The Great Hack uh, documentary on Netflix, Rob? No, not yet, but I have seen the trailer and it's uh, on my list. So that's one I got to watch. So that, that's kind of what she's known for. She was uh, an executive at uh, Cambridge Analytica when all of the stuff with Facebook went down. Uh, she she kind of blew the whistle on them, and now she's uh, wow. like fighting for uh, like owning your own data on on social media. And her her topic of discussion at at the uh, event is actually data sovereignty and the potential of Voice.com. So I'm I'm super excited wow. for her. I mean, I'm excited for for Ramon and and Benny also, but I I kind of know a lot of what they're going to say uh because I I have these conversations every day. Um but it's going to be exciting. So we're going to be in Korea all week. Uh that's in 2 weeks from now, uh Korean Blockchain Week. Uh there's a lot of cool guests there. It's all blockchains like Vitalik's going to be there, Nick Nick Zabo. Uh, Larry Sanger from Wikipedia, Gavin Wood, nice. uh, Chainlink, all Thomas Lee, all of these people uh, are going to be there. So I'm really excited to basically be at a major conference. I was at Consensus earlier this year, and this is the the South Korean uh, equivalent of that in Seoul. Uh, so I'm excited for that. That's uh, awesome. Uh, speaking of other events, obviously there's a, a lot of good stuff going on in Korea, but coming up very soon, um, next month in October is actually the EOS Community Conference, uh, the annual one down in Rio de Janeiro, Brazil, and I will be there uh, along with Adriana, one of our partners at Cypherclass as well. So it should be an awesome time, and if you're going to be there down in Rio, uh, let me know and we can meet up at uh, one of the conference events. It, it should be pretty cool. and looks like a good time so you'll be on one side of the world i'll be on the the totally opposite one man han han must be busy man uh from node one the korean block booster uh so they they were the ones that hosted the original community conference at the, at the main that launched like uh a little over a year ago now and i think they're also one of the gold or diamond i don't know the levels of sponsors and uh organizers for the rio conference too so so they're they really got their work cut out for them i'll put the uh if you're going to be in uh seoul uh, I'll put the link uh, to the to the RSVP page in, in the co or in the description after the show. Uh, but I, if you're going to be there, please please reach out. I'd like to connect, uh, especially with any of the uh, Korean block producers, Bithum, uh, and any of those like five or six BPs that the Bithum proxy voted for recently, which we'll, we'll get into and uh, in a little bit here. Somebody is knocking on my door, so if you want to enter the next topic, I can still hear you, and I'll, <laughs> I'll be right back. Oh man, you're throwing me off here. Um, Wow, I, I was not expecting this. Uh, damn, Rob. All right, so I'm just going to wait for Rob here, and uh, this is... <laughs> okay, false alarm. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> my Dude, you, you threw me off. I, I, it was like silence. Like this. Now that we're doing these live streams, I can't even like cut this out. I got you. No, we're all good. Um, so you want to talk about that uh, article recently uh, about Liquid Apps that came out? Uh, yeah, yeah, so... Uh, we're going to get into the, the, the EOS uh, FUD article on Coindesk, which we'll get into in a little bit, and we, we're agreeable with some of it. But I actually, I didn't realize this, but a, a few days before 
the EOS article came out. The, the there was another another CoinDesk article about li- Liquid Apps, and it yeah. was actually it was actually the same author as. Uh, oh the, wow! The, so I think he was like doubling down on the EOS community. So like while he was uh, like interviewing EOS people about EOS, he was also asking them about like DAP Network and Liquid Apps, and like. The article is pretty favorable, I'd say. Did, did you you read the CoinDesk yeah, article? I think, oh, absolutely. I mean, I think one of the biggest things that people were really asking, you know, six months ago when when Liquid Apps or seven months ago now, however long it's been, at the beginning of this year, um, when the DAP network was kind of announced, people were like, okay, well, what are the cost savings? Like, can you put this in a number? And obviously, we heard that Karma case study that they could potentially save. Um, I believe $800 a week, it takes their cost from $800 a week down to 80 cents. And now we have another really awesome statistic that is if Moonlighting wanted to do all of their transactions directly on the EOS mainnet without the assistance of the DAP network, they would pay almost $2,000 per day for their 750,000 users. And thanks to the DAP network, they bring that down from $2,000 per day to $10 per day. So pretty wild. I mean, that cost savings is is unreal. And you can see that uh, over time, as that service continues to grow, and they hit a million users and two million users, that the savings will obviously be even bigger. So it's it's pretty exciting to see that in action and see it actually working. And then I had it up on the screen, but I thought it was cool that uh, the article got Ivan on text attention again. It seems like this is like the yeah. second or third time I, Ivan Ivan's uh, like done something with us. It's pretty it's pretty cool that he's paying attention. I know uh, we played that one clip a few weeks ago where he admitted that he, he occasionally watches everything EOS. I'm sure leading yeah. up, I'm sure leading up, I'm positive that leading up to B1 June that almost everyone in, in the industry is watching everything EOS. We had like triple the traffic back then and he was one of Absolutely, them. Absolutely, yeah. It's cool. I mean, he has that EOS dev course now and like you said, he's obviously following up on things and for him to notice the DAP network as well is is obviously super exciting. So shout out to Ivan if you're watching. Uh, <laughs> we watch you as well. So it's a mutually beneficial relationship here. So I, I guess we can get into the, the uh, touch on the CoinDesk article because then we'll get into what we really want to talk about, and that's what Brendan Bloomer said uh, yeah. about about the voting stuff. But let, let's yeah, just so there was uh, a, yeah. a CoinDesk article came out called "Everyone's Worst Fears About EOS Are Proving True," and there were definitely some inaccuracies in the article. Um, some things were just totally false, but it, it basically was a sort of one-sided story about, hey, here are all the bad things that's happened. Um, some of them have been resolved, some of them haven't, and for the most part, I, I thought it was. Um, you know, relatively accurate. Like I said, there were some inaccuracies, but it, it definitely felt one-sided. Uh, but it was interesting to see then uh, Brendan kind of come out and, and tweet about governance and, and tease this thing that I know a lot of people are tuning in for, which is that Block One may be planning to vote uh, according to his tweet. Do you want to read his tweet or should I? Uh, I have the tweet up on the screen, but okay. uh, we, we kind of brushed over the article. Uh, I, I just want to back up a little bit to the CoinDesk article. Even though we said this sure, is yeah. FUD and we said it was one-sided, the fact of the matter is that some of it was truthful and the truth hurts Absolutely. sometimes. But like nothing's broken. Like Things are getting fixed. And I, I think uh, just based on uh, the conversations I had with some of the people quoted and then some of the people who talked to... to um, do you remember this guy's name? Something Brady, the author. I just had it up on the screen. Uh, no. Brady Dale. So oh, I, there Brady are some people Dale, that yeah. talk to Brady Dale, and I, like a journalist tries to be friendly with you. Like a lot of the, uh, I think uh, Jesta from Gray Mass said that like the quotes that they took were like in conversation. Like they might have did like an interview where he like knew like he was like on the record and stuff. Oh, but then like because wow. you're just like BS and being friends, and he was trying. I, I guess if he was being honest, he's being honest. But the article was very brutally honest i guess but it, it was one-sided uh and it almost made it seem like things weren't being worked on they made it sound like 
uh eos network's not working on a proposal they, they make it look like the the whole, whole network's broke the security's never an issue right now uh and, and we're working on things but let's let's get into the brendan bloomer part uh i've been rambling too long yeah why don't, why don't you uh read the quote so brendan came out with a tweet obviously uh, a while ago i don't even know if that was this year or the end of last year where um brendan basically tweeted that hey once block one is the minority meaning that their total 100 million tokens represents the minority of total tokens voted on the network that they would consider voting so he tweeted kind of a follow-up to that which was nice to see not just a new totally new statement but actually a follow-up to a previous statement he said that block one always stated that they would not consider voting until they became the clear minority of voting tokens B1 now owns less than one-third the amount of tokens that are voting for top EOSBPs. EOS voting participation has never been higher. So it's really interesting because he's not explicitly saying, hey, we're going to vote. He's just saying, hey, remember that mm -hmm. thing I said back then? It's happened now. Now we're the clear minority. Um, so now, ostensibly, they could vote if they're still following that same kind of path of being the minority of tokens. I, I had it up on the screen. I'm going to actually read the Brendan Bloomer quote. So this is from like January 12th, I think, and it was on Telegram. Uh, and he said, although we have, this is from Brendan Bloomer, although we have chosen to abstain from voting until we represent a smaller percentage of voter engagement to ensure adequate decentralization, we have continued to stimulate community discussion on important topics and have communicated that we may vote in the future. So that, that, that was it. Like he didn't really talk about it. Like Dan's talked about voting since then, but not Brendan. Right. And then Brendan came out here and he said this, but like, like, like you mentioned, he didn't make any promises. He didn't say they will vote, but he reminded everyone that as as upset as people are about the the centralization of votes in, into like the upper like I'd say thirty block producers, uh, the good news is that there's never been more tokens voting in the entire history of the EOS blockchain, and that that's Absolutely. the positive thing to take home from this. I'm going to pull up uh, this stat from EOS Authority if you want to kind of go through some of the highlights like or i i guess i can I'm, I'm the one reading it here over 400 million eos voting for the very first time yeah uh so i i could i couldn't find a website that had like a graph of like the history of how the votes have gone up but i do know they went up because colin talks crypto made a tweet yesterday about the the brendan bloomer tweet about the the voting and he said there was like 380 million tokens voting and then already by the very next day, we're up to 404 million tokens voting. So yeah. I'm, I'm not a mathematician here, Rob, but if Block One voted 100 million votes, what percentage of the total voting power would they have? Uh, I guess that would be what, 25% of the, the total yeah, voting power, a, or then including a, theirs, it would be 20. Uh, 20%. So definitely, definitely the minority for sure. And if you look at the, the current rankings right now in terms of the one through 30 BPs, if block one didn't vote for any block producers above the number 30 slot, they actually wouldn't be able to move 31 or below into any producing slots in the top 21. So it really is a strong argument for them, I think, from a minority perspective for them to vote, especially considering that they can't really change who is in the top 21. So depending on your perspective, that may be a good thing, that may be a bad thing, um, but it is a fact nonetheless right now um, with the current voting distribution. I'm going to pull up uh, the rankings real quick and kind of explain a little bit about what you were talking about. So uh, what, what Rob was saying here with the votes is like you have number the, the cutoff here of the top 21 is 257 million votes. So if I mean, it depends on who block one would vote for, too. We're we're talking here, assuming as if they're going to vote for the block producers that launched the mainnet, the ones that our proxy votes for. 
there, there is no guarantee that they would, would vote for those, but l- let's just say that they would. If someone like EOS New York, who is one of the highest ranked, uh, or EOS Cafe Block too, 103 million votes, it would take them up to 203 million. If they had 203 million votes, that would only bump uh, EOS Cafe from number 31 to number 27. Yeah. So 100 million votes is only going to move a block producer three positions. Uh, but what it would do is uh, we, we go, what's happening here is I'm scrolling through. <clears throat> the paid positions are getting cut off at like number 70 right now. Wasn't it like yeah. number 90 back in the day? Yeah, I believe it. it- capped at like 90 or 92 or something like that. But essentially, because there are so many votes at the top of the stack, the way that vote pay is calculated on the network is based on the percentage of total votes that you have voted to you. Um, and because of that, they're, they're basically draining all of the money um, out of the top. And a lot of the BPs at the bottom are getting cut off because of that. And what's super interesting about it is also that even in these standby BPs that are outside of the top 21 or even outside of the top 30, uh, a lot of them are these quote-unquote sock puppet BPs that don't have a website, they don't have uh, probably any infrastructure to back them, and it seems like they're really using that extra EOS that they're making from the standby BPs to sort of subsidize some of the costs of these um, vote-buying programs at the top. So it, it's really wild to see. So that's one thing that obviously Block One could do that I know you were mentioning before this call. They could sort of bump out a lot of those sock puppet BPs and keep some of the real BPs that we know actually have infrastructure mm-hmm. in the game. Um, but but who knows how much EOS those standby BPs have either. I mean, they could have another $100 million that they then throw back to their sock puppets. It'll be really interesting to watch. Uh, I, I have up on the screen, uh, Rob, I shared it on your end too, so you can kind of see what I'm talking about here. But th- there's a couple of BPs that popped up. I'm just going to click a random one. EOS Rainbow. Uh, they're number 55 here with 55 million votes. <laughs> I'm going to click into their account. Uh, their account... Uh, this is different. This is different than Blocks I O. I was looking at Block. Oh, here it is. It was created on Token Pocket on August eighteenth, two thousand nineteen. So this freaking BP, I've never heard of it. They don't even upload a logo, and they have fifty-five million votes. They're sitting in a higher block producer position than people like Eosphere. Uh, I don't even have it. Generos. All, all these good BPs that are sitting outside of paid positions. Liquid Eos. And then we have EOS Rainbow BP sitting here. What, what's their website? They have 840. It doesn't, that's not a real website. You click their Twitter, yeah, it's twitter.com. Like they uploaded exactly. a bp.json just to piss me off. Like they should have just not even put anything here rather than putting twitter.com as their Twitter handle. It's just, it, it's yeah, garbage. It's- it's really pretty wild. And that's why comments that, you know, when Dan comes out and says, oh, everything's operating as planned or working correctly, I think it rubs people the wrong way, myself included, because it's like, is this operating correctly? Or, or is the, the system designed to incentivize people to have uh, these standby BPs just draining value and not adding any value back into the system? I personally don't think so, but uh, uh, that's kind of the benefit of these systems is we can all have different opinions and, and ultimately reach consensus. But it, it is really wild to see. And they're obviously not the only one. We have EcoBoost, Star Galaxy, Validator, EOS, mm-hmm. all of these stock puppets. Any, any, if you're logos, going through a block websites. producer, if you see this generic EOS logo, like cl- click it and dig in a little bit and you're going to yeah. be kind of disappointed. So it, it's the, the the concentration at the top, I think, is, is fine. I mean, they own all those tokens. They're voting for themselves. That's fine. But the problem with the rewards are, are that the BPs paying out the rewards are paying them out of the sock puppets uh, block rewards here. So if block one were to vote for West, uh, like a globally distributed group of BPs that included some of the Genesis BPs, 
100 million votes can make all of the difference in the world for these BPs just outside the paid position. So someone like Generos or Eosphere or Eos Node One, they would all of a sudden have 145 million votes. And then the people who would be on the outside looking in would actually be these sock puppet BPs that were launched less than a month ago who are collecting block rewards and, and paying every single penny of them out because they're sock puppets. Absolutely. And it's it's really wild. I mean, I think there are a couple of reasons why, just to, to touch on the the recent tweets from Dan and Brendan about like operating correctly or operating as intended. I think there are a couple of reasons why that might be. I think, and this is just me personally speculating, obviously. Um, one of them I think could be legal posturing. You know, Bitcoin and Ethereum both have gotten this kind of um, they've sort of been explicitly cleared as being not security. So if you compare the governance structure as, oh, it's just inflation, you know. Um, inflation from the general token supply paid to the, the people who are actually processing transactions. Maybe it's legal posturing. But on the other hand, I think we also have to look at where their incentives are aligned. If you go back um, to a very early version of the Block One website, when you look at their investors, people like Bitfinex are the investors in Block One. So, of course, you know it makes sense that Brendan, as a CEO, doing his job as the CEO of that company, would be protecting their investors, who are obviously some of the people that are uh, draining value out of this system. So it's just interesting to, to sort of remember where the incentives fall for all of the people that um, are involved in this system these days. So how, how do you think that, do you, what timeline horizon do you personally think uh, Block One will begin voting in? I don't know. Honestly, I'm not holding my breath for them to vote in the same way that uh, I'm not really holding my breath for that governance proposal to ever come out that they <laughs> promised. Like, We've waited since ago. January. I, yeah, when it comes to Block One these days, I'm sort of waiting for things to be released before we speculate on when it will come out because it seems like it will generally be later than sooner. Um, I know Brendan tweeted something recently about uh, basically regulation was the main thing holding voice back from, from doing a full launch. And that doesn't mean that they can't come out with a beta as soon as 1.8 is done that has sort of a fake token with no value and, and mm -hmm. sort of get it out in the wild and start testing it. I think that's totally possible. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. But I think a lot of these things, it's it's way better for us to just wait for them to release it than to us just wildly guess, um, especially since it seems like delays are, are happening a lot recently. So basically, don't hold your breath on block one, uh, pulling everyone out of this yet. But there will be a time when they vote. And whenever they do vote, I, I have up on the screen like how many votes they have. I, I, I'll constantly say 100 million because I don't want to do math and 100 million is just easier. Uh, but... Block One has 90 million tokens staked right now. So if they were to vote today, uh, they would vote with 90 million vote power. And then they have six, 6.5 million that are liquid. And their liquid tokens are actually their, their vested tokens because they're on a 10-year vesting schedule. So they can't actually, they, they could vote with all 100 million tokens or all 96 and a half million tokens right now. Uh, but they can only transfer what's vested, which is the six and a half million tokens they have left after their big RAM purchase that they made in May. So the, the problem with block one voting is that they could only vote for 30 block producers. They couldn't like split up their votes and like say half their votes would vote for this 30 and then their other half would vote for a different 30. They can't do that because they can't transfer 90 million tokens uh, of their balance. That's right. almost 100%, like 90 some percent of it. So I, I don't know what they're going to do. They could set up a proxy like EOS Rex uh, the EOS Rex proxy, I think, votes for 50 different BPs, and it has some automated like rotation thing. Um, but what, what what do you think is is the, is the best short term solution? Uh, we, we kind of had a saving grace here. Uh, I think is this morning or last night. Did you see someone mentioned in the chat? Did you see the Colin Talks crypto thing that yeah. popped up? 
Yeah, it looks like an account uh, that I guess I never voted, voted 5 million tokens and, and proxied it to Colin's uh, proxy. So huge shout out to them that, that bumped up our vote pay at Cypherglass a little bit by, I think, uh, like two EOS a day or something. But but every bit ha uh, helps for sure, especially now uh, with us and all the other BPs being so low in the rankings. Uh, so the, the cool thing about the Colin Talks crypto story is that this person, you said, you said it quickly, but they, they never voted before. Usually yeah. whenever we see big movements of tokens, like uh, the Everything EOS proxy, we're up to 1.25 million votes right now. And yeah. we've picked up we've picked up a couple of whales. I hope you're watching. Thank you, whales. Absolutely. Uh, Thank you very much. But I, one of them who voted for us, for example, what was voting for Colin Talks Crypto, another excellent recommended proxy that I, I would personally feel comfortable voting for if it wasn't voting for our proxy but like it was just kind of like a wash so like if someone votes for colin then they vote for us like cypherglass for example your position didn't really change but whenever you pull people out of latency whenever they're not doing anything uh this guy ha he has three more million liquidios tokens also but this guy who never voted before, because Colin has been very active on social media, he's been very loud, he's been banging his drum on his uh, YouTube channel, he got this guy's attention and he decided, I'm going to vote for the very first time. And then 5 million more votes uh, for Cypherglass, uh, all the other good BPs too, EOS Authority, uh, that uh, that uh, the Contox Crypto Proxy is voting for. And I just I pulled it back up on the screen one more time. You'll see like people like Cypherglass, they got 5 million more votes, EOS Argentina. You can kind of see who Colin's voting for based on who all got the uh, the 5 million vote bonus today. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, it's interesting. And I mean, on the topic of, of how B1 might vote, I think it's it's totally possible that they, uh, you know, set up their own rotating proxy like that to sort of find this creative solution to vote for more than 30 BPs. Um, but I also think it's possible that they kind of phase it in where, say, they vote for uh, you know, 10 BPs to start, and then they wait a little while and they vote for five or 10 more and, and sort of build up to 30. Um, and I think there's also, I mean, there's sort of an infinite number of potential options here, obviously. But I think another strong option is that they wait for the voice, uh, the actual voice.com to launch. They wait for that platform to come out. And then they, they have some kind of a unique account voting structure where, let's say, 100 million people vote. They use those votes then to, to delegate out the 100 million EOS that they have. Um, on the actual changes to sort of separate themselves from the decision-making process. So it'll be really interesting uh, for sure, assuming that they do eventually vote to, to see how they end up doing it. Cool. What, what if they did vote, how would you feel if they voted for all the exchange BPs and started collecting rewards? <laughs> <laughs> like 5% I mean, rewards on 100 million tokens? Yeah, I don't think that they have uh, enough subsidies I don't think their lawyers will the let them. to pay that out, but... That but would be pretty, pretty wild. That's one interesting thing, though. So we, we've been talking like for weeks now, we've been talking about voting and voting rewards and the discrepancies between uh, uh, inflation rewarding BPs and the, the non rewarding BPs. And we, we talked about uh, about 10 minutes ago about how it's very difficult for a BP that doesn't have a second BP. Like, like you don't have a top 21 and then a, a puppet in the 40s. So it's a lot harder you have a lot less funds that you have available to distribute. Um, but there are some interesting things I, I've, I've kind of come across or learned or changed my opinion on over these last few weeks of really diving into the, these voter rewards, because I do think there's some merit to it. I just think it needs to, to be done openly and, and transparently and maybe on something like a voter exchange. But yeah, I mean, I, I just totally disagree with that. I know. I, know. I, I saw it done openly and transparently on LISC and it, it absolutely destroyed, uh, 
that system. And, and basically all the value add VPs, much like is happening now, all the value add VPs got pushed out, didn't make any money, stopped investing in the chain, stopped covering content on the chain. Basically all of the, the sort of community driven um, aspects just died off. And now Lisk sort of exists, but it's, it's definitely a shell of its former self. And I don't know of any developers even considering it as an option to, to build on. So one thing that's uh, stood out for me I know you're completely against this, uh, but I do want to hear your opinion on this because I don't think we've ever talked about this. Is uh, So the very last paid BP right now is number 69. It is uh, Super 1, and they're earning 112 EOS per day, and they have 48.5 million votes. If you owned 1 million tokens, so you're a whale, but you're not like the biggest of whales, but you're a pretty damn big whale. If you had 1 million tokens and you staked to like a Stardios or a Nudex, and you're in four or 5%, you're able to get the same inflation rewards as the very last paid position of a block producer just by owning a million tokens. So who's to say the person with a million tokens isn't like a good whale, like, like a, a, a block producer, like one of our Genesis block producers that might be a whale. If they would just, uh, instead of being a block producer and to collect rewards, if they would just stake to one of these proxies and earn the same amount of rewards using these these in, in, in inflation payouts, like how do you feel about that? Because that's the one thing I can't like argue against myself I mean, on is anyone I mean, can earn rewards from the network and then reinvest it back. My main feeling there is that I think the math has to be off there because how can if it takes fifty million votes to get them in that position, how can <clears throat> excuse me one fifty of that one fiftieth of that still get you the same amount in rewards? You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I did the math. I think whenever I figured this out, it was just 5% of a million. So however many tokens that would have been and then divided by uh, 365. So I get the daily reward. I, 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 I could touch on this again offline, but uh, I, I got that idea of that because Brent, Brendan's been kind of talking about the reward. So it's weird because it's almost like there's a disconnect. Like, I don't know if Dan is on the same page as Brendan whenever it comes to the, the rewards. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know. It's interesting. Um, sometimes they have sort of competing tweets and a uh, different set of ideologies. But I think the issue here is not, you know, I'm not in favor of putting in unenforceable rules that can't be enforced. I'm, I'm more in favor of changing the actual incentives to um, change the behavior because you're not going to force people to change their behavior in a, an open system like this. Yeah, the, the argument against this is the only, and it's going on in the chat. Let me pull the chat up on the screen. Uh, the only reason these BPs are able to pay more inflation than they're actually earning is because of, of, of all the uh, vote trading. I don't know if uh, like Stardios and Nudex and the proxies like that, I don't know if they would be able to offer the same 4 or 5% APRs if they didn't have those extra block producers in the lower positions getting paid. Oh, absolutely not. I mean, the beauty of the blockchain is definitely that everything's on chain and can be tracked. And, and you can see where a lot of those movements happen. Uh, but for sure, the reason why those sock puppets exist is so that they can pay out those rates. It's kind of like subsidizing their, their main mm -hmm. business there. Yeah. So I, I, and the more, the more tokens that vote also, those sock puppets warn less and less their, their votes are equally going up. So uh, I, I'm just trying to keep an open mind about it. I know you're like a hardliner in one direction. And then like Ash and Zane at EOS Radio, they're like hardliners on the other side. And I like you both. So I like try to listen to everything and try to form my own opinion on this. Uh, and I, I'm curious to 
to see where things go. Um, do you have any final stories or warnings before we move on from voter rewards and voting in general and block one and all this? Yeah, I mean, my main thing is that I just really hope we don't turn into LISC 2.0 because right now we're, we're sort of following down that same path. And I'm hoping that we have some correction, whether it's a total incentive model change like EOS New York um, is sort of proposing and talking about. And hopefully we'll have more public details on soon or it's something else entirely. But uh, right now we're really following in the footsteps of LISC from a, a BP incentivization and cartelization standpoint. So uh, I'm hoping that doesn't happen is basically uh, my closing statements here. But um, the, the good thing for sure right now is that, you know, we haven't seen any evidence of, of uh, them using their power right now, this quote unquote cartel, using their power to censor transactions or, or sort of bring a security risk to the chain. So right now the chain seems just as secure as it was, um, you know, in the past, if not more secure, because now there are more votes for those top 21 BPs. So um, that's definitely sort of the silver lining on the, the dark cloud. But uh, it'll be interesting to see, you know, continue following it over the, the coming weeks and months, uh, especially after 1.8 and just see how it all works out. Yes, sir. So I, I guess, uh, I thought I saw something in the chat. I guess moving on to the last topic. So we we, ha we have an update that kind of flew under the radar and I think it flew under the radar because um, whenever uh, Rami tweeted it out from the scatter team uh, that the thumbnail didn't load and no one like retweeted it and liked it, but it's actually really big news. Let me pull it up on the screen here. Yeah. Uh, scatter embed. So it, it's- Oh, it, yeah. I haven't seen a lot of people talking about it, but I'm excited because the, the Chrome extension is coming back from the scatter team and it's happening through something that they just released a blog article on three day, two or three days ago called scatter embed. And what it is is it's, it's one code base and it's going to work across desktop, their upcoming mobile and uh, the, their reboot of their Chrome extension. So that like, if they update the code on 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 one one of those items, it updates on all of them. That's why they had to discontinue uh, the Chrome extension before, is because they're kind of like a, a pretty bootstrap team, and that's why they had to launch the block producer recently, and they're still not in a paid position, which which is upsetting to me. So I highly recommend anyone watching this uh, vote for Scatter somehow, vote for Colin Talks Crypto, vote for everything EOS, IWAD, uh, or just vote for them directly. But uh, Scatter's doing a lot of of work here. They they released this and. Uh, one of the features of it is that it auto updates. Um, Rob, do you want to kind of explain uh, what you said before we started recording about what you thought uh, was going on with this update? Yeah. So at first I thought they, you know, I read auto update with a wallet and was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I don't know about that. Like, I don't want my wallet to just auto update. I think it's kind of a security concern. But what you explained to me makes a lot of sense that um, it would only be one component of this wallet that could actually auto update, which seems like the UI side, you know, the side that you see that that's where a lot of the bugs come from. Um, and I guess, uh, would it be another component that actually handles, you know, key storage and key signing that that would uh, not be able to be auto-updated? Yeah, so basically they, they split up the code so that all of the like encryption and security and like signature, like the, the, the cryptographic signatures, that's all one code base. And then the code base that handles like the UX UI, it's all web-based. So it's all com coming from like a server. And the front end interface and the user interact like UX UI, that's where a lot of the bugs happen. So like whenever they'll release like uh, like a quick update, it's usually a, a bug in the UX UI. Uh, right. So now with this scatter embed, if it's a bug like that, it's just going to auto update. You won't even have to download anything. You won't even know that it'll update. Um, but it's not a security thing because they can't update and, and, and change certain aspects. The, the stuff that lives on your local machine 
uh, is like the encryption and the security stuff. So if, if they release like a, a security bug fix, then you would have to download the update. Um, but I'm, I'm just super excited mostly about the Chrome extension because the Chrome extension was all we had originally. And then they discontinued it. And I think for like months, there, there were people still like using yeah. the discontinued Chrome extension. I, it was so insecure. I know people that are still using it. I mean, the, the security... Um, Actually, I don't want to speak on the security. For, I don't want to give anybody bad security advice. But uh, I know people that still use the Chrome extension just because they don't want to update or it's more convenient than having the desktop version. So I'm super excited as well, um, especially running things like EOS Name Service to say, hey, you can still use the extension, just update to this one. So it should be mm -hmm. awesome. And I think it's it's probably one of their highly requested things to bring back. I, I don't know. Are, are Chromebooks popular? Because in this article, we mentioned specifically Chromebooks, but I don't actually think that many people use them. For, for crypto, at least. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I'm pretty sure Chromebooks are just restricted to using Yeah, they're just like bare bones. Right? Yeah, yeah, they're just like bare bones, like laptops, like 150 bucks. Yeah, I mean, it's cool that now they could support that by bringing that back as well. So even if it's only a few people that use it, uh, it's awesome that there's just more places that people can uh, access EOS mm -hmm. apps. So Rob, we have one more topic. Yeah. It's a very, very important topic. Out of every, we, this is the most important topic that we, are going to discuss today. And this is the 1.8 upgrade happening on Woo! Monday. It's finally here. Woo! We've been waiting for it for months. Uh, since Block One really announced this update, you know, we had the 2.0 announcement at, at B1 June, and then 1.8 was kind of this looming thing of like, okay, when is this going to happen? And a uh, huge shout out to the BPs that sort of put the line in the sands that, hey, September 23rd is the day. And now I believe all of the Block Producer uh, nodes have actually already upgraded to 1.8.3, uh, Cypherglass included in that as well. All of our nodes are upgraded and, and ready to go. Um, so come Monday, going to flip that switch. I believe it's at 1300 UTC, which is 1 p.m. UTC time. Uh, that switch will be flipped, and uh, the EOS mainnet should be upgraded to 1.8. It, it's pretty exciting. It's exciting. So we got we got to talk about it because everyone's speculating on it. Do you think, what do you think is going to happen with voice? Not, do, what, so, I know it's not going to, I don't think it'll launch at the same time, but do you think there'll be an announcement, anything? I, I have two sort of potential paths in my mind, and obviously it could be one of, of an infinite number of potential realities, but I think there are two most likely scenarios in my mind. One is that we don't hear anything, and that it's just sort of this open question for a while. I think the second is actually that the beta launches. I think it's totally possible Ooh. that the beta comes out. You know, They can sort of get around all of the regulatory requirements, and obviously I'm not a lawyer, so maybe they can't, but in my mind I think they can. Um, by not having the actual token there, maybe they just show that your balance is increasing to sort of test that out, but obviously the token won't have any value at that point. It's just the beta, just a placeholder token. And I think that would really sort of um, you know, calm a lot of people down and say, okay, look, the product is actually built. We're not just selling you vaporware. It's mm -hmm. here, it works. You saw the demo at B1 June. Now you can actually use it for yourself and start giving them feedback. Because I think, excuse me, with a product launch this big with you know, such big goals of overtaking Facebook and Twitter and all these centralized social media platforms, the more feedback that they can get from users that are actually gonna use this thing, the better the product is going to be when they go ahead and push that launch button once they have regulatory approval. So I'm hoping the beta comes out. We'll see. But uh, what are your thoughts? What do you think is going to happen? Uh, I, I I don't. If if there's a lot of fud, like if people are like really disappointed and like really saying like, oh, I was expecting voice. I think Brendan will probably tweet something out to calm people down again, like he usually does. Um, I. I 
I don't think we're going to get a beta release. I, I'd be super happy if we get a, like a blog article that just says like, <laughs> we're shooting for Q1 2020, whatever it is. Like that, that's kind of all I'm expecting. But right. one, one thing that ha- has me excited about 1.8 is that B1's been super active with getting the message out. So I have up on the screen uh, a message from the main EOS Telegram from Serge Medellin. He's head of developer relations at Block One. If you've been to any of the hackathons, you've seen this guy before. Uh, he was spamming out the the link that Block One put in their document. It, it goes to a documentation page that Block One has where it's basically just like consensus protocol update process. It's like a step-by-step on exactly how to upgrade because this is the most complex uh, upgrade. It's a consensus protocol upgrade. It's it's different than any other upgrade we've done before. Anyone running a full yeah. node has to upgrade. So it's more than just block producers. It's anyone running a full node. You kind of want to explain what that means, Rob? Um, yeah, so there are some dApps, for example, Dice, that run their own full node um, that sort of verifies transactions. It's the way that they kind of broadcast transactions through this node to the actual block production nodes. Um, so dApps that have their own nodes will have to upgrade. Obviously, GrayMass and their history API will have to upgrade. Um, I believe that's already done. And if you go to eosnetworkmonitor.io, and I think you can see this on eosauthority.com as well, um, you can see the version number. So you can go through and see that all, all of BPs in the top 21 have upgraded to at least 1.8.1, uh, most on 1.8.3. And then sort of down the list, you can see a lot of BPs in there um, have upgraded to 1.8 as well. There are a couple in the uh, standby, mostly in unpaid positions, as you would expect, um, that haven't upgraded yet. But uh, that shouldn't impact the, the upgrade at all. Yeah, every like there's definitely 15 out of 21 is basically I don't have it up on the screen. Uh, are you talking about like the go no go page? The, um, um, I'm just looking at eosnetworkmonitor.io where it has the the version number there. But uh, oh, that, I, I thought I heard something else. Uh, okay, no, no, no. According to that, every single BP uh, at least in the top 21 has already upgraded to all of their nodes to 1.8. So. We should mm-hmm. be good to go. It's super exciting. And uh, if you guys are interested in Bitcoin and all, Backed is launching as well. So overall, it should be a, a relatively historic day in crypto, physically settled Bitcoin. I forgot Bitcoin all about coming. Uh, yeah. been, I've, I've, been, I've been trying to connect those two, not because I think they have anything to do with each other, but it's just exciting times. I, when I was putting together the notes today, I was all excited about everything else we're going to talk about. I forgot yeah. about Backed, man. That launches Monday. Oh, absolutely. The physically I mean, settled of- Bitcoin. Definitely. It's the first physically settled Bitcoin futures contract, which means at the end, when you got to pay out the other party, you don't just give them cash, you give them actual Bitcoin, uh, which should get, should help you know add liquidity to the market. It should help us find a better price for Bitcoin. It'd be really interesting. But there's a lot of sort of memetic energy centered around Monday in the cryptoverse. So uh, it'll be fascinating to see what happens both with the EOS upgrade and with the back launch. Should be a really cool week next week for sure. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just going back to that that tweet from Serge, You've always been a bit of a mainnet maximalist, Rob, uh, and we're always like proponents of the mainnet. Not that this, there's anything wrong with the sister chains, but a lot of the sister chains uplo- upgraded to 1.8 a while ago. Yeah, well, that was cool Blo- to Blo- see. Block one wasn't spamming the chats up until <laughs> the, the, the mainnet upgrade. It's yeah, like, it's like nothing else mattered. This is this is the focus of block one. I mean, it, I mean, it, they're very it, much it mainnet to be for sure based on the fact that they're going to deploy voice on the EOS mainnet. Obviously, it seems like their focus. Of course, they're they're you know just publishing EOS IO open source software and and everybody can use it. But when it comes to uh, using an implementation of it, it seems like the EOS mainnet is their choice. So that's good to see. But obviously, huge shout out to those chains. And Wax was one of them that uh, was able to launch or upgrade to one point eight successfully. So. It's cool to sort of see those people doing it ahead of time and, and gives us more data for the actual launch as well. All right. And so, since I called you out as a mainnet maximalist, what is your favorite sister chain or fork at the moment? 
Oh, that's a good question. I would, you know, if I had to, to pick, I would probably say OrChain, which is one I don't think a lot of people have, have heard of, but it powers OrID and some of the components that they're they're using. And obviously that has been a massive help in onboarding people onto the EOS mainnet. So probably my favorite one right now. And, and from a business perspective, you know, when it comes to me advising businesses like Dmail, I'm very much pro sidechain because it's just more potential clients that you can use for that business. So Dmail even is a uh, block producer on Lynx chain. Um, they've, they've launched on Telos as well, I believe. So uh, I'm, I'm a big fan of it from a business perspective, but when it comes to our philosophy at Cypherglass and where we want to produce, the EOS mainnet is for sure still that spot right now. Um, and uh, the DAP network as well, which sort of you know links together pretty well and, and fulfills that vision. I, only, I brought this up because uh, another game, another uh, fort came to my attention that I kind of forgot about for for a while, and that was Ultra. Uh, it's like a it's like oh, a almost yeah. like a Steam like gaming platform. They yeah. just uh, released a blog article. I don't have it queued up or anything, but I think it's Ultra.io. Uh, yeah. I'm excited about. I'm excited to learn more about them. Let me say that I, I don't know enough about them to get too excited, but their entire team uh, is like X. I, I I don't want to misquote anything, but like Microsoft, like Google type people, like like wow. top top like ten Fortune ten companies, yeah. uh, tech companies. So I'm excited to see that one, and obviously Wax too. And a lot of it has to do with like the pedigrees. I I like to follow the talent a lot of times whenever I try to assess a project that I don't know a lot about yet. Always follow the talent. Like that's that's how I ended up <laughs> uh, with Liquid Apps. I I saw Tal Muscal, who's like yeah. just like a, a legend, man. And then I look at a team like Wax with OP skins. Like this this team has done it before. They've got like multi million dollar revenue generating business behind this. And then a team like Ultra, where they're all like uh, gaming and tech veterans. Uh, so I'm I'm excited for all of them. Though I like Taylor's. I like Warbly. I like even Links Chain. I want to see what they do. I like I'm. It doesn't mean I'm going to invest because I don't give investment advice. And if you follow my investment advice, you'll get wrecked. But I think this is a, a good spot to close out unless you have anything else here, Rob. No, that sounds great. Like we said, the, the big EOSIO 1.8 upgrade is coming to the mainnet on Monday. So the next time you see us, the chain will be upgraded. And uh, we can talk about what that means then. And, and maybe maybe we'll have that voice announcement. Probably not, but maybe. So uh, we'll I, 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 we, we can make week. one promise here. Let's, let's make a promise. Yeah. If there is a voice announcement, I don't care what you have on your calendar, Rob. You got to clear your calendar. I'll clear my calendar. We're going to come on live as soon as something's posted about it. Absolutely. Yeah, that's that a promise to the sure. community. Absolutely. That sounds good. So uh, I think that's a good good spot to close out. Everybody have a great weekend. Enjoy it. Get out there. Get outside. Do something. You know, fall's coming. So while the weather's still good, go outside and enjoy it. But uh, once again, I'm Rob Finch. And I'm Zach Go. And this, this is, is Everything Yours. Go, go EOS. EOS. See you guys next time. Smash, Smash that, that button, thumbs up. Leave a comment. Yeah, do it all. Do it all. Do it all. Do See it you all. guys next week with 1.8 and backed. Oh, yeah.